Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. <clears throat> yes, today, um, you know, a lot of times uh, you'll come across information that may challenge your belief system. Today is one of those days. I'm not talking about your belief system. I'm talking about my belief system because I study anatomy, physiology, biology. I mean, virtually every science that you can because I'll get questions on it. I'll get questions from my patients or questions on how things actually work. <clears throat> well, I came across uh, this fellow, okay? He's actually um, a virologist and a fairly, fairly brilliant guy, okay? And um, what's the trap? It, his name was, um, he's a, a virologist, Dr. Stephen Lanka. Now, he bet over $100,000 uh, euros that measles isn't a virus and that it doesn't cause uh, measles. And I'm going, that's a pattern interrupt, okay? There's no way that a guy can actually prove beyond a shadow of a doubt in court that the measles virus doesn't exist and doesn't cause um, uh, the, the measles. Well, here's the problem. He won. He won. Now, there was a, a doctor, and this, this court case went on for a few years. At the time, this um, one fellow introduced six papers to the federal court system, and the court system says, well, these, these are accurate. And then they had five experts come in, <clears throat> and these, this is, you know, we're talking, these are professors of OLG Stuttgart, you know, um, the in German court, you're talking top-notch doctors, okay, teachers at, at medical institutions. And it showed that the evidence that they had in these articles that measles virus existed uh, didn't hold water. And I'm going, my God, this is crazy. So, so let's look at this. What do we know about the immune system? Because there's some questions that I've always had. Uh, it's like, literally, how does the immune system work? If you're looking at, you know, we're talking head immunologists like Gary Fathom, Gary Fathom, uh, professor of immunology and rheumatology and associate director for the Institute of Immunology, Transplant and Infection. So this guy should know about viruses, bacteria, all that. And he said, we have no idea at how to measure an immune system. Quote, if a patient were to ask me, how's my immune system do today? I would have no idea how to answer that. And I'm an immunologist. None of us can. Right now, we're still doing the same tests I did when I was a medical student in the 60s. Uh, we look at Mark Davis, who's the chair of Stanford University School of Medicine, Microbiology, and Immunology. Um, staggeringly complex, compromising 15 different cells interacting that spew dozens of different molecules into the bloodstream to do battle with one another. So, so what is it? Now, now let's look at this because I'm going to walk you through on the challenges that I had when I came across this information. And uh, it absolutely blew me away. First, we know that up to 45% of your genetic information in your DNA is viral in origin. 
Um, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> the, our DNA contains not only information that makes you you, but also information encoded so it can govern your health. Your double-stranded DNA is a little virus hotel. In fact, viruses are residing in your um, body for, I mean, good and possibly um, advantageous uh, uh, actions to where if there's infected tissue, they're going to attack it. Viruses are responsible for critically important functions in nature, variations and adaptations. Uh, and yes, it's the virus behind much of what's termed evolution. Many viruses can change in response to their alterations in the environment. Viruses are vital for our, eco our ecosystem. <coughs> and I love this. Uh, Dr. Andrew, Andrew Holmes, a microbiologist from the University of Sydney, said viruses are everywhere and do not instantly equal bad. They have the potential to cause very rapid biologic changes through epidemic and disease, but that's exceedingly rare. Vigilance, vigilance is important, but panics unwarranted. They are able to move genetic information between hosts, but we still don't fully understand how this influences and continues to influence the evolution of a new species. So this is totally different. Now we have the germ theory, but where did this um, viruses and bacteria, pathogens, where did this come from that bees cause disease? Well, let's go back in the history. Uh, first off, uh, Virchown. Now, now he was uh, probably, um, well, reportedly the father of the germ theory. Um, and he was actually looking at these small animacules or, or little tiny things that you could see with a microscope and guessing that they cause certain diseases. And you got to figure, this was a very exciting time, 150, 200 years ago, where they're just developing certain optics, and they're aware that there's certain small structures, uh, small living creatures inside of pond water. And, I mean, they used to have all sorts of great parties to identify these little... Um, animacules, they would call them. <clears throat> then they eventually found that these they could identify certain bacteria in certain diseases, like consumption was also considered was called or tuberculosis was called consumption back then. And <clears throat> when they discovered the bacteria, and they went through a thing called Coach's postulates, where they actually uh, cultured the bacteria in the diseased animal. Uh, grew it in a culture, isolated it, and then infected an animal with that, and then that caused the same disease and then culture it out of the animal that they cultured it in. Those That was called coach's postulates, where you absolutely identify the pathogen of the disease. Well, <laughs> um, Dr. Verchown uh, literally said, quote, if I could live my life over again, I would devote to proving that germs seek their natural habitat, diseased tissue, rather than being the cause of the disease. Flies don't cause garbage. And, and so now, 150 years ago, before the pharmaceutical industry took over our science, we actually had real science looking at this. 
in one of the greatest controversies was uh, Pasteur and Beauchamp or Beecham. And uh, Pasteur, of course, the you know pasteurization felt that the microbe was what was attacking. Beauchamp said, uh, Beecham said, it is not the infectious agent. It's literally the weakening of the immune system that the infectious agent is there. And we know that Beecham is right. Like during, there's no such thing as a flu season. And if you walk through every human being, I mean, you know, in hospitals, in gas stations, everywhere, you have millions, millions of viruses, bacteria, fungi, everything on your skin, in your eyes, in your gut, coming out of your fecal material, everything. Some of these um, pathogens can be identified and they can grow into, into problems, okay, only if there's a weakened immune system. But Pasteur believed that the bugs were the cause of the problem. He didn't look at the health of the person. Uh, Beecham said that the bugs are everywhere all the time, that it was actually the health of the, of the patient. Um, that mattered whether this would grow into a, a problem. And the urban legend, and this may be true, Pasteur's dying last words was, the microbe is nothing, the terrain is everything. And could that be true? Well, let's just look at this. Let's look at, at the Pasteur germ theory idea. Um, and there's a really cool, cool article uh, about, and, and this is comparing literally, and this is out of the Journal of Vaccinations and Vaccines on, uh, here, let me see the title of the article. Who had their finger on the magic of life? Antoine uh, Beechamp or Louis Pasteur? Okay, and just listen to the title of this article. Um, so it is with Beecham. Had the profound voice of his science not been silenced, much of mankind may have been spared the worst aspects of infectious or vital stressors of the 20th century. Wow. Okay, since cases can be made that approve the improper and dangerous treatment of infectious disease over the last century has in part given rise to the present epidemic wave of degenerative diseases, including, including cancer, AIDS, um, Ebola, uh, we might have been spared these miseries as well. Uh, at least we would have understood much more clearly why we uh, have them. Fortunately, Beecham's work has been kept alive by a small successive band of truth seekers. I know, think of that. Okay, that, that, this is out of the International Journal of Vaccines and Vaccination. Uh, I mean, this is amazing. So they're talking about Beecham, who has a totally different idea. Now think of this. The germ theory is what everything is based on. Everything. And I'm talking every vaccine, every antibiotic. And what do we have now? By fighting that germ instead of strengthening the immune system, um, you, you are creating antibiotic-resistant pathogens. You're seeing weakening the immune system. You're seeing stronger and stronger drugs needed to fight stronger and stronger pathogens. And that's psychotic. Um, Beecham knew that that was not the right 
method. And Pasteur on his deathbed recounted. So, because this answers a lot of questions. Now, just think of this. If you have 10 people walking through a swamp, and they're all bit by mosquitoes containing malaria, will all 10 of them get a disease? No, they won't. Because it's not the pathogen, it's the weakened immune system. Now, we already know the best immunologists on the planet don't know how it works. So let's look more at this journal article, medical journal article, International Journal of Vaccinations and, and Vaccination. Uh, quote, there is no medical doctrine has potentially dangerous as partial truth implemented as whole truth. Any medical professional, bioscientist, healthcare practitioner, or layperson for that matter, who wishes to gain insight into the origins and nature of infectious and chronic illness must against um, the backdrop of the marvelous view of life process must consider Beecham. Um, end of quote. This is beyond exciting. I see Beecham, he found this, it, well, the way he explained it, he called it the microzyma, which is the beginning and end of all organization. So he's actually looking at um, bacteria, viruses, funguses, even though back at the time they didn't even know that viruses, they suspected them there, but they didn't have the technology. See, we didn't have electron microscopes till the 1930s, so we couldn't even see things that small. Well, Beecham um, understood that the microzyme, or, or theorized, is the beginning and all, end of all organization. It's the fundam fundamental anatomical element whereby cellulars and the tissues, the organs, and the whole of an organism are constituted. He referred to the microzymas as the builders and destroyers of cells. And uh, the, the interesting part of this, uh, it, which concerns us in disease, he always found these microzymas remaining after the complete de decomposition of a dead organism and concluded that they are only transitory biologic elements. Um, he presented the idea that physical life of higher biologic forms arrive and is dependent upon and is recycled by these microscopic beings. Simply and immediate proof is the dependence of indispensable bacterial populations in the human GI tract. We now know that if you mess up the normal gut flora, you have massive pathologic diseases. Now, again, we've got the entire medical system fighting uh, uh, these bacteria, these viruses, you know, the fear factor, you know, get your child vaccinated, otherwise that unvaccinated kid could spread this, this disease-containing, you know, process to a vaccinated person, or they're the, the harbinger diseases. This fear-based um, was started by the Pasteur in the idea that these viruses and bacteria caused disease. And again, you may say, well, it doesn't measles cause measles? Doesn't chickenpox virus, the herpes zoster, cause chickenpox? Don't these diseases cause it? Now, do they, or are the end result of a disease process? Now, this is the interesting part. 
Um, now, this is a vac uh, virologist, Dr. Stephen Lenke. He bet over 100,000 euros in a German uh, federal Supreme Court, and he said, if you can prove that measles is a virus, okay, he will give you $100,000. Now, in order to prove it, you would have to prove that it is a virus, that it has been isolated, and that it does, does cause disease. Well, you would think, wow, that would be very, very easy, wouldn't it? Here's the problem. Uh, there was a medical student that presented six papers to the court, and the guy said, yep, here it is, here's proof. And they had these really cool electron microscope pictures and you know a, a number of different experts, virologists that are saying, yes, this is a causative factor. However, um, let me read from that, from that. The federal Supreme Court has ruled in the measles virus trial. The first civil senate uh, has confirmed the judgment of the higher regional court of Stuttgart, and you know, all took place in Germany, uh, February 2016, um, which the sum of 100,000 euros uh, was offered as a reward for scientific proof of the existence of the alleged measles virus does not have to be paid by the plaintiff. The plaintiff also ordered to bear all the procedural costs. Five experts had been involved in the case uh, and presented with the results of scientific studies. All five experts, including Professor Dr. Andreas Polinski, who had been appointed by the Stuttgart as, uh, as the preceding court, have consistently found that none of the six publications which have been introduced to the trial contain scientific proof of the existence of the alleged measles virus. And you might be saying, wait a second, that's impossible. Okay, they go on to state, listen to this, um, genetics falsifies thesis of existence. In the trial, the results of research into the so-called genetic fingerprints of the alleged measles virus have been introduced. Two recognized laboratories, including the world's largest and leading genetic institute, arrived at exactly the same results independently. The results prove that the authors of the six publications in the measles virus case, virus case were wrong. As a re direct result, all measles virologists are still wrong today. They have misinterpreted the ordinary constituents of cells has parts of the suspected measles virus. <clears throat> Huge, huh? <laughs> so then, I, I mean, and if you think about this, if this is actually true and it went through the courts, does that mean that the entire vaccine program where you're trying to inject part of these measles uh, can, parts of these proteins that are supposed to be associated with the measles virus in toxic neurologic um, uh, concoctions into people is completely bad. And it, it, it just mind-blowing because you would think that they would be able to find the proof of this. Well, of course, when you look at, um, you've got anti-vaxxers, pro-vaxxers, which the labeling doesn't really help, but let's say that you're pro-science. If you're pro-science and you realize that they have never isolated the measles virus and they have never proven 
that the measles virus causes measles, that it is from a weakened immune system that causes this. Is this why, if you just look at measles, why the incidence declined um, 99% before the vaccine was introduced? Why? Because it, the, the immune system problem was solved by plumbers. We're talking sewage system, fresh water. Um, now, uh, this here, I'm going to go through. I've got to, I've got to um, uh, go over some of this. <clears throat> it appeared that Dr. Lanka had lost in 2015, but he took it to a higher expert. It turned out the proof provided was several composite images of different electron microscopic images. Uh, the composites involved components of damaged cells, but the com components couldn't be duplicated. The German Federal Supreme Court confirmed that there was not enough evidence to prove the existence of the measles virus. See, a virus is a well-organized molecular parasite. It literally has to use the host DNA or RNA, based on the type of virus, to reproduce. So it's actually using the host DNA or RNA to make more copies of itself. So doesn't it need, to, it's going to be, um, its product is going to be specific based on the cell it's utilizing. Uh, so what really happened in court? Uh, here we go. i got to read this part. According to the events of the course proceeding, uh, Dr. Andreas uh, Poblinski, head department of the medical microbiology, virology, and hygiene at University Hospital in Rostock, Rostock was one of the appointed experts at the trial, stated that even though the existence of the measles virus could be concluded from the summary of the six papers submitted by Dr. Bardens, none of the authors had conducted any controlled in experiments in accordance with internationally defined rules and principles of good scientific practice. Um, Professor Plablinski considered this lack of controlled experiments explicitly has a methodologic weakness of these publications, which are, after all, the relevant studies on the subject. There are no other publications trying to attempt to prove the existence of the measles virus. Uh, at this point, a publication about the existence of the measles virus that stands the, good, uh, the test of good science has yet to be delivered. Furthermore, at the trial, it was noted that contrary to the legal remit, blah, 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 Robert Koch Institute, the highest German authority in the field of infectious disease has failed to perform tests for the alleged measles virus and to publish these. The Robert Koch Institute claims that it made international studies on the measles virus, however, refuses to hand over the published results. Um, Mind-blowing, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> we could even look at, I mean, figure tonight, we're going to go into another article out of the British Medical Journal, and the title of this article is The Politics of AIDS in South Africa, Beyond the Controversies. Um, virologist Stephen Lenka, who believes that viruses are claimed to be dangerous, do not in fact exist at all. The source for his evidence um, I find quite ironic, but merely a public display of flags ignorance. Um, okay, 
this, this right here is one of the quotes out of this article at British Medical Journal. One has to study virology in the first place to realize where virology has gone wrong. Lanka does not lazily accept our dominant fashionable virologic paradigms. Um, they has Bennett and Flake, which was in this article. There was a couple of um, biologists who uh, slammed uh, Dr. Stephen Lankin for um, not following what their belief system was. See, these doctors believe exactly what they were taught in books. And it's interesting because here's a quote from uh, Dr. Stephen Lankin. Um, I had already somewhat a critical attitude when I st started studying molecular genetics. So I went to the library to look up the literature on HIV. To my big surprise, what I found when they were speaking about HIV, they are not speaking about a virus. They are speaking about cellular characteristics and activities of cells under special conditions. I was so deeply shocked. For a long time, I would studied virology from the end to the beginning and the beginning to the end to be absolutely sure that there was no such thing as HIV. And it was easy for me to be sure about this because I realized the whole group of viruses to which HIV is said to belong, the retroviruses, as well as other viruses which are claimed to be dangerous, in fact do not exist at all. Um, yeah, if you're, and now this was published in the British Medical Journal uh, under, under the opinion section. But I gotta tell you, the references were just amazing. But this is what um, journal articles are supposed to do. This is what discussion is. If you're looking at books that have pictures that are 20, 30, 40 years old, and you're taught this is a virus, and it's not really a virus, it's um, cell parts, it's not a pure viral isolate, it's, you have to question it. The whole purpose of science is to continually be questioning it. So let's look at this. What constitutes a virus? Who authorized peer-reviewed studies of politics of the taxonomic classification of viruses? Who authorizes, um, who, who in authority authorizes the authors of viruses? What is a virus? What are the po politics of virus inventing? And these questions have to be asked. I mean, forget about the forced medical procedures. This is science, okay? Science is always questioning and should always be questioning. Now, in 2001, Dr. Stephen Lankwin wrote, quote, in the case of influenza, herpes, vaccinia, polio, adenovirus, Ebola viruses, each photo shows only a single particle. Nobody claims that they're isolated particles, let alone particles that have been isolated from humans. In summary, it must be said that these photos uh, of alleged viruses are an attempt of fraud committed by the researchers and medical scientists involved as far as they assert that these structures are viruses or even isolated viruses. To what extent the involved journalists and authors of the textbooks have contributed to this fraud knowingly or only out of gross negligence, I don't know. Everyone who starts a researcher um, in medical literature will click, quickly encounter statements and references that Koch first postulates cannot be fulfilled. And that should, 
I mean, this is this is granted. This is completely nerding out because you're looking at things that seem impossible. That these viruses, the electron microscopes, the people in charge, um, are are either spreading false information at at worst, or at best, they're just learning from people that had hypothesis, and they're taking that hypothesis and holding it on as if it was um, chiseled in stone. So know that if you can prove that the measles virus exists and causes disease or <laughs> uh, in German court, you get 100,000 euros. And that has been uh, available since 2015. It's an exciting world you're moving into, particularly when you know that viruses, um, I guess, have never existed. And if they do exist, because you've got, is the viral really a pathogen? Um, or are they identifying bits of protein that are well-organized molecular parasites, the way some microbiologists say, 45% of your DNA? Maybe these viruses are not pathogens. They're actually helping us adapt and communicate to our environment. Maybe we're designed to live here. Maybe science still needs to learn a bunch. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Because until you can answer me um, how 10 people bitten by mosquitoes supposedly containing malaria, and all 10 of them don't come down with it, then um, and it's an immune system that the immunologist can't measure. We get a problem, Houston. We're designed to live on this world. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you. I love you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.